Welcome, everyone, to our Wednesday night uh, Bible study. As everyone knows, uh, hopefully by now, we're starting a new study in the book of Romans. The title of our lesson tonight is Called by God, and we're going to be looking at Romans 1, 6 through 7. Now, last week we had our very first lesson, and we looked at verse 1, where Paul describes himself. He basically says, I've been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. I've been called by God to be an apostle. I've been set apart by God for the gospel of God. And what we pointed out last week is that when Paul sees himself, his identity doesn't come from anything that he's done. His identity comes from what God has done for him and to him. Now, what we're going to see tonight is that Paul sees the same thing for you and I. In other words, Paul doesn't just see this as his own experience or, 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 or just pertinent to his own ministry. He sees this as true to every single Christian. Look at verses 6 and 7. He says, "...among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, and called to be saints." Now, just a quick disclaimer. I'm not saying at all by any uh, shape or form of the imagination that what we do is unimportant. In fact, I believe what we do is crucial. But anytime Paul describes our identity, he's not saying, you, he'll, you'll never hear him say something like, oh, you who put your faith in Jesus, or, or you who took up your cross. No, it's always the primary emphasis is always what God has done to you and for you. And in these verses, the words that he describes or uses to describe this is called and love. Now tonight, we're going to look at one word, and that's the word called. And I, I don't want to point this out. Here's what you're going to see today is, or tonight is the difference between reading your Bible and studying your Bible. You know, let's be honest. If, if I read these first seven verses in Romans, I'd probably just blow right by them and wouldn't even think about it. But a Bible study means you stop and you think about what you read. What does Paul mean by that? And you're going to see what a difference that makes. So I'm going to, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to ask some questions, and then I'm going to answer those questions. So let's start with the easy one. Who is doing the calling and why? Well, as I said, this is an easy one. 1 Corinthians 1.9. Paul says, God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord... So this is a, a simple one to answer. God himself is the one doing the calling. And the purpose or the point of the call is to put us into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible is very clear that the gospel is offered to all people. Theologians refer to this as the gospel call or, or some of them refer to it as the general call. And we see this all throughout Scripture. For example, the probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, says, Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Acts 17.30, But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Matthew 7.8, For everyone who asks, receives. So you see these types of words, whoever, everywhere, everyone, uh, all people. The idea is that the gospel is offered to every single person. Now, the way this gospel call goes out is it's offered through human language. 
It can come from a preacher preaching in a pulpit. It can come from a teacher teaching a class. It can come by sharing the gospel over a phone with somebody or through a letter or through an email. It can come from listening to a podcast or or even listening to something on YouTube like we're doing here uh, tonight. This is how the gospel call goes out, and it's extremely important. In fact, without it, we could not be saved. Look at Romans 10, 14. How can they call on him whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear of him without a preacher, which means a proclaimer? So if somebody doesn't tell them about Jesus, doesn't explain the gospel, doesn't explain how to come to salvation, how will they ever believe in him? How will they ever believe in, in the gospel? So it's, it's critically important that this gospel call goes out through human language. Now, this brings us to the, to the big question, why? When this call goes out to the human race, when it goes out, why do some respond while the most will not? Well, let's think about this for just a minute. Think about the state of the people that are hearing this call. Are they expectant? Are they eager? Are they, are they looking for truth? Are they searching for God? Are they ready to respond? No. No, absolutely not. In fact, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. Listen to some of these scriptures. This is how the Bible describes unbelievers or a, or a typical human outside the relationship with God. Romans 3, 10 through 11. There is none who seeks after God. You know, I hear it all the time. Well, people in other religions are searching for truth. They're searching for God. No, they're not. That's not what the Bible says. They're, they're looking to create a God in their own image. They're, they're looking to create a God of their own making, but they're not searching for the one true God. The Bible says there's nobody seeking after God. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6 says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Romans 8, 7 through 9, The sinful mind is hostile to God. And of course, the coup d'etat, so to speak, is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, As for you, you were dead. You see, when the Bible describes unbelievers, it describes them as as blind, as hostile to God, as not wanting anything to do with God, and it basically says you're spiritually dead. I mean, think about this. I've got a, I've got a, 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 a cemetery about a mile from where I live, and I could go to that cemetery, and I could stand there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and preach the gospel, and I would get zero response because they can't hear me. They can't understand the message. Listen, when the Bible describes the human race, that's exactly how it describes us. This is who the gospel call is going out to, spiritually dead people. And think about that. How can spiritually dead people hear a spiritual wake-up call? They, they can't. So is it any wonder that people see the gospel as foolish? 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is foolishness. The Greek word literally means stupid. It literally means moronic. It means absurd. When you tell the gospel to somebody, when they first hear it, it they think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That, that's stupid. That's, that's moronic. Yet, people are being saved. In fact, look at that, look at that verse, the that second part of it. Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So I ask the question again, why? What makes the difference? Why do some people respond while the most do 
not? Well, it turns out that just hearing the gospel is not enough. Just hearing the gospel call is not enough. In the end, we need help from God. We need supernatural, eye-opening, mind-changing, life-giving help from God. In fact, what we need is another call. We need a, a different call, a second call, a, a call that the Bible calls a holy calling. Now, you need scripture to back that up, right? So here we go. Let's look first at 1 Corinthians 21. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, 23 to 24. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. By the way, that's the gospel call. That's somebody getting up and preaching about Jesus and salvation and, and his death and blood and covering of our sins and the whole message. We preach Christ crucified, but to the Jews it's a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. That's the gospel call. Now look at the second half of the verse. But to those who are what? Called. Christ is the power of God. See, that's a different call. That's not the general gospel call that goes out to the whole world. This is a special call. This is a holy call that goes out to the few. Look at Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Many are called. That's the gospel call. God sends out the message to everybody. Come, repent, be saved. Open the door. Let him come in. But then Jesus says, but few are chosen. You see, that's a different call. Romans eight thirty. How about this one? Whom he called, he justified. By the way, that cannot be the gospel call. That can't be a generic call because it's directly tied in with being made right with God. Those he calls, he makes right with God. And those he makes right with God, he will one day glorify. In fact, if everyone is called, what would this verse mean? 1 Corinthians 1.26, For you see your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many wise are called. Not many mighty are called. Not many noble are called, but you are. See, it's a different type of calling. So there's this gospel call that goes out to everyone, but then there's a second call, a holy calling, that goes out to the few. So this is clear. When Paul refers to a Christian's calling, he's not talking about this general gospel call. He's talking about a second call, and this is a holy call that's meant to awaken the dead. This second calling is kind of a summons from the king of the universe, if you will. It's, it's known, by the way, as theo, by theologians as an effective call because it always brings about a response in people's hearts. Let me show you real quickly how this works. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. This is a really interesting scripture because it kind of lays it all out. Verse 4 says this, Whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So this is the human race. This is unbelievers, right? Um, and then the gospel call comes. This is verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. So again, remember our question. What makes the difference? Why do some believe while others do not? Verse 6 tells us, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, God has to come in and do something. He has to, he has to overcome the darkness with light. He has to overcome spiritual death with, with life and he, so that we can actually see Jesus for how valuable he is. And see, that is the exact effect of that call. When he, when he calls us with this holy calling, we don't see the gospel as stupid anymore. All of a sudden, what's look, what looked absurd and moronic 
now looks beautiful and precious and desirable, and we really freely reach out at that point and we embrace it. It always reminds me of Matthew 13, where Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he had found one of great price, he went and sold all he had. You know, we go through life and we're blind. And we're passing by Jesus every day, and we don't see him for what he is. And then one day, one day God shines a light in our heart, and all of a sudden we see him for the most valuable thing, and we give everything up, else up, to follow him. A few other questions let's try to ask and answer. Who receives this second call? Well, this is the one question I cannot answer. I just I can't answer this one. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that all things work for, together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. See, the fact is God has plans and purposes to call people that, that he doesn't make us privy to. We don't know why he does what he does. 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, look at this, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. You see, God doesn't look down and say, man, that Derek's a great guy and he's worked real hard and he's born in America to a good family and goes to a good church. I'm going to choose him. No, it has nothing to do with our works. It has nothing to do with our, our race or our ethnicity or what country we're born in. What's it according to? It's according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Paul says the choice that he made, Timothy, he made not only before you were born, he made before he created the world. Now, this leads to an excellent question. Why does God do it this way? Why does he decide, I'm going to do it this way? Well, there's two reasons. I'm going to give you reason number one. And, and God answered, Paul answers this uh, through the Holy Spirit himself in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. He says this, for consider your calling, which is exactly what we're doing tonight. Uh, we're considering, think about it, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame, to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And for what purpose? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. See, that's it. Why does he do it this way? So that he gets all the glory. So that no man or woman or, or boy or girl will ever be able to stand up and say, look what I did. Look how wise I was. Look how smart I was. No, God took that all away. He made the choice before we ever even existed so that he would get all the glory. Reason number two is assurance. One of my favorite scriptures is Jude 1.1. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called, loved, and kept. You see, the fact is those that are called by God are loved by God and kept by God. You are guarded by God. See, too many people in this world, their assurance, they rely on themselves. And they think, you know, on a good day, they feel saved. And on a bad day, when they mess up, they feel like, what's wrong with me? I, maybe I'm not even a Christian anymore. See, it's not about that at all. It's about God. It's about what he did. Those he calls, he keeps. And if we can understand that and believe that, then our assurance and our salvation should just go through the roof. Listen, this is taught all over Scripture. Um, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this, Therefore, my beloved, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Paul will tell us over and over again, you choose, you believe, you run the race, you fight the good fight, do it, do it, do it. But then he'll turn around and say, but it's God allowing you to do it. It's God empowering you to do it. It, it, it's, it's the same thing when we first believed. How did I, my eyes get open? How did I believe for the first time that I suddenly just wake up one day smarter than I was the day before? No, no, God called me on that day with a holy calling. I, I want to close with a simple analogy because I know sometimes it, it's hard to understand. Do we choose God or does God uh, choose us? I ran across this analogy years ago and I think it'll help you. I want you to imagine the gates of heaven and there's a sign over that gate, and it says, Whosoever will may come. And you walk through that gate, and as you walk through the gate, and you turn and you look back, there's a sign on the back side of that that says, Chosen before the foundation of the world. I think there is really good balance in that statement. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we always do for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your holy calling that has called so many of us here uh, in this body uh, to be... Uh, Christians to be your children. Thank you for that. God, help us to understand that our salvation lies and grounded first and foremost in that calling. And that is just going to strengthen us and fortify us to go on and do the things that we need to do. We thank you for this uh, opportunity and this ability to, to use this technology, uh, Lord, to get your word out. Holy Spirit, I ask you, do not let this word return void. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.